Hello, you're listening to Bricks and Mortar from EG with Sarah Jackman. My guest today is Sean Greathead, Head of People and Talent at real estate management company MAP. It's the second time that Sean has joined me on the podcast, and we're going to talk today about DEI and the steps that MAP's taken to create an inclusive and diverse business. Sean, thank you so much for joining me today and um, delighted that you've come back a second time around. I know we're going to talk a little bit about some of the specific policies and approaches that you've embedded into the business over the last few years, but it'd be great if you could give me a sense first of the background to your work in the area and why DEI is so important to you. Well, first of all, Sarah, thank you so much for uh, for, uh, having me back. I take it as a real privilege to be able to engage in the space of DNI because it is a passion of mine, but also it is a desire of MAP to be a broad employer, to be a place that people are both welcome and wanted. We don't want an organization that's filled with a homogeneous uh, environment where everybody thinks the same, everyone looks the same, everyone works the same. There's a joy and uh, an excitement and a value with difference be it gender, be it ethnicity, neurodiversity, whatever diversity brings, it brings a a magic, a secret source that is exciting and that's inspiring. I would be at pains to to suggest in any way that we would be a better organization if we didn't have the variety of, of people within our business. You know, we have more than 40 different nationalities. What a privilege of hearing people's journeys and life experiences. And that adds to um, the variety and the interest that that brings. And that is a really positive description of, of some of the sort of background to it. I guess what I'd love to hear from you is a little bit about what the specific policies are that have enabled some of that. There's two approaches. There's the recruitment side of things and then latterly, I guess, the retention and how how you maintain that balance within the business. Let's talk first then about the recruitment side and and attracting um, a diverse range of talent into the business. What sort of work have you been doing in that field and and how has that fed through onto the policy side? We start with the premise of how do we make sure that we attract the broadest picture and the broadest group of people who apply to join MAP. And and that starts by painting a picture is that we're not all the same and and telling a narrative of being at MAP is is being in a place where there's variety. One of our staff once said, I just want to see people like me. I don't want to see people that all look the same, all sound the same, that all went to the same school or grew up in the same neighborhood, play all the same sports. And so part of it is telling that story. And so we work really hard and, and we have an incredible uh, you know, communications team. And what they do is they take those stories and they present them. And it could be through photographs or through representing the stories that we have. That tells the story is that you're welcome. Even if you don't fit into the mold of what you think is, there's enough variety to say, oh, there's something interesting going on there. But that's the external picture that we paint. The internal picture we paint is we have grown and invested in our line managers over a number of years on how they hire people, but also how they manage people. So when you're in an interview and someone is a little different or operates in a slightly different way, that you're able to see past that rather than just hiring someone who comes from the same college that you went to or did the same university degree. 
and that works out in, in, in a couple of key processes for us. One is we operate with something which is known in the US is called the Rooney Rule, and it comes out of American football, which is that you need to have some someone from a different background, from a diverse background in the interview process. So it's not saying you have to hire someone. It's saying you have to have a diverse interview process. So it's not all men or it's not all white people or it's not all heterosexual or, you know, so there is a diverse environment which enables us to go, oh, there's someone who's different and they think a little differently and there's a there, there's something there and I want to bring them into MAP. And what we found is just that process alone has encouraged a massive change in the overall demographics of MAP over the last seven years. To give you a simple in indication, almost 60% of our staff base are women. Now, that is broadly, as historically across all the businesses, both within our industry across the UK, it's slightly bottom heavy. Uh, but internally, we worked about how do we promote across gender lines? How do we make sure that when we run an internal workshop, that it's not a panel of all men? You know, we're part of real estate balance. We're part of a community that's really driving that narrative of encouraging more people within the business, but then growing people through the business. Uh, and so what we found is in our FM space, which is traditionally a male dominated space, we have a far broader cross section of women who've entered into that space. Um, and it's not the lone woman in, in, on the, at the table. In the same vein is that it's not all white men in the context of surveying. And so that creates a, a very different narrative and it creates a different story. And from my perspective, that's exciting because we're seeing line managers who are growing and developing. We're also promoting individuals internally. And that's having a change from a numerical basis, but it's also having a change from a culture basis, which is really positive. You talk about how those ratios have changed. Over what period of time has, has that taken to achieve some of those figures? I think, you know, we have to acknowledge that this is in the context of the fact of we've undergone rapid growth over the last seven years. When I started in maps um, seven and a half years ago, we had 160 people. We're now just short of 650 people. So that's in the context of both turnover as well as growth. Um, and every year, the numbers have changed. And it's been one or two percent here, one or two percent there. From, a, from a, an objective perspective, we see DNI as not a destination. We, we won't go one day and arrive and go, we are a diverse organization because diversity is a complex thing. Each person is different. And so you bring something different. So we view it as a journey as are we adding new and different and interesting elements to who we are as a business? Is every number changing on a regular basis that so we don't have this kind of stale old bread that's sitting in the cupboard as opposed to actually we've got something new and exciting um, and someone's bringing something new. And so part of it is looking at how our leadership space has grown, how our surveying space has grown and and how our FMs have grown and, and looking at that leadership space, you know, and, and just uses this very simple example is that our current CEO became chair and we have a new CEO who's a woman. And, you know, that's an illustration of how the industry has changed, but also how we've evolved as a business. And that tells the story. And it's that constant journey of, are we better than we were last year? Absolutely. And that's why we made the decision as a simple example is to undertake the, the ethnicity pay gap uh, assessment process. Now, we've, we do a gender pay gap and we work really hard on that. And we don't just do it internally. We have an external auditing firm to do it with us who've been fantastic and challenge us and ask questions. 
but at the same time as we do an ethnicity pay gap report. Even though the government have chosen not to pursue that as a strategy, we pursue it because we want to understand, are we getting better? We have to be getting better every year because that means that things are changing and we make choices to hire apprentices. Why? Because you can't change the industry. You can't change the business if you only hire from a very small pool of people. Two years ago, we hired 14 apprentices that came from underprivileged and complex backgrounds. Why? Because how are they going to get into an industry with high barriers to entry if someone doesn't take the step and, and be bold? And a number of them have already been promoted. They're in permanent roles. They finished their apprenticeship. What a privilege to have that part of the mix of what it means to be at MAP. So it sounds as though there are a number of initiatives then. One of the things I'd be interested in picking up on, I mean, you mentioned the appointment recently of a female CEO. Talk to me about how important it is to have those positive role models within the business. It goes back to what I said earlier is about each person wants to see someone who looks like them or sounds like them so that they're not feeling like it's just them. You know, I'm the only person who fits into this category. And so part of it is about changing the narrative of that I open the door to a board and it's all the same group of people who will look the same and who sound the same. And so I think that there's a huge element of, of people going beyond just us saying you're welcome and you're wanted, them actually having a story that they can see. Um, but but that's that's almost the superficial element. I think there's a, there's a real a secret source of having a diverse set of opinions and a different perspective on matters is where you see the value explored out of DNI. You see the value out of that diversity coming through is when someone says, I'm looking at it differently to you. And therefore, I see the problem like this rather than like that. And suddenly you, you don't end up in a group think scenario because you all think the same way. And you can see that in problem solving. You can see that in how we explore different elements of our business growth. You can see it in how we approach and interact with each other because we're not all coming from the same perspective. We're not all, you know, rugby players who came out of a surveying world, or we're not all ex-military. And, and therefore that dynamic thinking, that dynamic uh, interaction means that we're a better business. We're a mo- far more agile business than we were if we were stuck in everyone thinking the same way. One of the things that I know you've put in place are employee forums to give people a voice, I guess, throughout the business. Tell me yep. a little bit about how they operate in practice. So we're in the process of kind of uh, of of building even more ones, one specifically around the employee, kind of everybody having a voice. But we have ones that specifically focus around our social value elements. We have ones around corporate governance. We have ones that specifically focus on our occupiers and our clients, because the reality is when you're a senior person or you come in a senior role, you view things often quite high level, whereas someone operationally who's doing the day to day might say, actually, that workflow, it solves this problem, but it creates these ones. And if you're not involved, you don't always see it. And the easiest way to describe the the employee forums is they represent who we are as a business. And next week, we migrate from being a privately owned business to an employee-owned trust. So the we element of MAP, when we say our website is we are MAP, is that we're all deeply vested in the success of the business. It's not, it's not a bunch of shareholders over there. It's I have a vested interest because the success of the business impacts me. And the same for my colleague who sits next to me on the same one for a different office. And there's a voice that comes through. And those employee forums are represented by me um, on the employee-owned trust. 
you know, they're speaking through me into that trust, which has an impact in in the business and what we do in in changing both the industry, but also continuing on the trajectory we've had to have a map. I go and visit the regional offices on a regular basis and interact across the board. We have a phenomenal people team who invite engagement connection. And we know our people really well. And people think I'm uh, I kind of, you know, that's quite an ambitious statement to make. I'll give you a simple example. We do reviews twice a year. And I and between my team and I, we read every single review because I want to know when someone says in their review to their line manager, I don't feel appreciated or I don't know where my career path looks like. We go and action something like, let's have a conversation about that. What's going on there? Because every person is important. Every person has an impact, but every person has a vested interest in the success of MAP. And, a, you know, the employee-owned trust is a very tangible representation of that. And those employee forums are an opportunity to express that in, in a day-to-day basis. You touched on it um, in relation to the surveys. I guess you must be generating a huge amount of data in this area, just in terms of your reporting and so on. How important is the data analytics and analytics piece as you embed some of these policies going forward? We, we have this kind of tongue-in-cheek statement is the data doesn't lie. How you interpret it can, but the data in itself doesn't lie. So when the business says we're 60% of the business are women, we can see that clearly. The analytics is, is was it 70% last month and now it's 60% or was it 40% last month and now it's 60%? It's the journey that we're on. And that's what we want to know is what is the change that's going on here? And, you know, what we don't want is 60% of our staff being women and all of those women are really deeply unhappy. What we want to know is, is, is the level of engagement across the board consistent? Is that the same with intersections of, of diversity? So if you've got someone who's neurodiverse and who is a person of color, are they you know, content and engaged or is, is there dissatisfaction? Is someone disabled? Do they feel engaged? So it's looking at the data that we gather, but it's also looking at it through the lens of the various groups within the business, because that tells us a really powerful story. It's easy to say, well, we've got a, an 85% engagement level. That's fantastic. But I want to know who the 15% that aren't engaged, are they the new people? Are they the people who've been here for 15 years? Is it the group in that office or is it all the people who are disabled? You know, those are the stories that I want to hear because then we can act on them. And sometimes it's really simple. You just need to talk to me. And sometimes it's a little bit more complicated. It's like, I don't see my career path and I'm feeling frustrated. And so we act off the back of the data because what you don't want is ask a question and then not do anything about it because then people feel not heard. And so we, we really drive that. And a way we do that, for example, is every year we ask, what do you love about your job? What do you loathe about your job? And we turn that into data. And I, I can tell you it's complicated because it's qualitative data. So you've got to turn it into actual, you know, when someone says, I hate admin. So we know that 15% of the business hates admin. So how do we automate those processes? Because let's be honest, no one really likes admin. So let's automate as much as we can. But then we also hear stories when, you know, 40% of our staff turn around and say, there's nothing I loathe about my job. And you go, that is awesome. But let's look at the 60% that have something that they loathe. And so part of it is, is that that calls us into action to say, what are we going to do to make it better? And that's that narrative of how do we get better? We just want to get better. So last year, we were here this year. We're even better. And that has to be across the entire business, not just senior people, not just people in London, 
not just all the guys, not just women, not just non-binary, everybody. Everybody needs to be making progress. And that's the exciting part. So, I mean, you've obviously got a huge amount underway in terms of existing policy, and you're obviously supporting that with, with the data and, and really drilling into that. What's next for you in this area? Do you see room for improvement? Uh, absolutely. As a an industry, both within property management, but as a function within people, we constantly want to push the boundaries of average. We want to push the boundaries of what does exceptional look like. And it means that we're looking at some data analytics, which is really cutting edge, where we integrate elements of engagement and performance and well-being, and we ask questions. So, you know, when a line manager says this person is the best thing ever, then they should be promoted, but the data is telling us something different, we need to ask questions. But at the same time, as if the data is telling us the person is fantastic and the line manager says, yeah, they're a bit iffy, then we can challenge that and go, hang on a moment, the data is telling us they're knocking it out of the park. And you're saying, Ify, what's going on here? Is this a relational issue? Uh, is it that the data's not quite presenting what it needs to? Because we can then make some changes and engagement, but then also removing hidden biases, removing uh, assumptions that are people are making, and that we can really spur people forward. Uh, to give you a simple example, we, we promoted last year 12.8% of our entire business. That is a phenomenal number of people. But I've got to make sure that next year we're promoting the same number of people and if we're not, why? You know, where's the role growth? Uh, we're data mapping our entire business in terms of how do you grow from this role to this role? Uh, because in the same way as we're growing as a business, we expect each of our people to grow. Because you know, no one wakes up in the morning and they starts of their career and goes, I'm an administrator and I want to finish my career as a senior administrator. People want to grow. And so what we want to do is provide as much opportunity for that growth. But it's not a, a top-down process. We ask the question, what do you want to learn? And then we turn that into action. And that creates an environment where uh, the data tells us what people want to learn, but we create the opportunity to do so. And that's where the real power is. The data gives us the information about what to do, but it's our choice to actually go and do something about it. Um, and that impacts people's lives, which is fantastic. And in terms of specific policies that are next on the agenda, I mean, are there things that, are currently in progress that you'd like to see implemented over the next 12 to 18 months? Well, we've implemented quite a lot. So, uh, you know, the couple of things we've done is we've, we've done a lot of work around the menopause and, mm -hmm. and making sure that that's not a barrier to people's career prospects or that the workplace and someone's menopause journey is not in conflict. And sometimes it's really helpful just to have an open conversation. I mean, it's been it's been quite transformative for a number of the people in the business saying we're comfortable with having this conversation. It's OK. And that's unlocked a whole lot. I think that the, the two elements that we're exploring and and I say exploring because DNI is a journey. The one is around neurodiversity and how do we create an, uh, uh, an organization that's that's comfortable with dealing with neurodiversity in all its forms. That, you know, 15 to 25 percent of the population is neurodiverse from dyscalculia and dyslexia through to ADHD and autistic. But how do we create a space that people feel like they, they're engaged, but also support structures to make sure that those people can prosper? But at the same time, we've also got the area of disability. And the journey that we're on in this space is how do we make people feel comfortable that they can openly talk about their disabilities or their neurodiversity, as opposed to the sense of shame that some people have, which is created through uh, life experience, but also through society's perception. 
We want to be able to have open conversations and we've got to take the organization on a journey with that because at the same time, society is going on a journey and we can't expect, you know, people to wake up one morning and have an understanding of what it means to have a, an autistic member of staff or how do I manage someone who's dyslexic. But what we've got to do is encourage and support that journey and encourage and support open conversations. The disabled community is very underrepresented in the workplace. And some of the things we can control and some things we can't. You know, we had someone who applied for a job with us who was deaf. And we'd never been confronted by this question about how do we support someone if they joined us, if they were deaf. And my L&D team, I mean, they literally went through a project plan of how do we make sure we put subtitles on all our learning material? Because while we had some of it, we hadn't thought about what is the implication for that. But that's not something that's come up in the, in, in the past. And so we realized that we've still got to figure this out. Are all our doors uh, wheelchair accessible? They're wide enough, but do they have buttons that automatically open? And so we're in, an, and we're in a conversation with our amazing building consultancy team to do uh, audits over the next two years on all our offices to ensure that they are as accessible to the disabled community as possible. Uh, we don't want to barriers for someone to say, I, I can't work at MAP because it's really hard because the lift doesn't work or it's not wheelchair accessible. Some of those things are within our control and some are not. But what we don't want to do is, through a lack of inaction, there to be a barrier. We'd rather have a conversation. This is what we can do. This is what we can't do. And there's excitement because people are like, oh, wow, that means this could happen or this couldn't happen. But let's let's talk about it. I'm conscious of time. So perhaps just, just one last question. I mean, you've obviously got a huge amount of work going on in, in this space. When you look at the industry more generally, do you feel inspired by many of the initiatives going on more broadly? Uh, I would start with the thing I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because the industry is applying time, effort and energy. And there are a number of things that are, are, are taking place. I think the frustration is it's not fast enough, but it never is because there's so much legacy we have to overcome. But I think what, what inspires me is the fact there are so many people within the industry that want to make it better. And, and that's the thing that's inspirational in all of it, is that there are people who are toiling away doing small things that make a difference to one person. And, you know, there's that adage of stop for the one. You know, it's the person who mentors that, you know, someone who's, who's never worked in the industry before or the person who kind of goes, I'm going to open the door and give you an opportunity to come to a meeting that you would have never had the opportunity for. Or the person who puts forward a member of their team for a promotion that is not the traditional because they don't look like someone else. That's what really inspires me is the fact that the demographics across the industry is changing. I still remember going to a, an award ceremony many, many years ago where it was 90% men. And it was really disappointing. And yet, Going to recent events, okay, there's just a massive difference where it's 50-50 it's and there are so many different people. And that's the thing that inspires me is I can see the change. And that brings hope because things will get better. And that's always a good sign. Sean, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting to hear what's going on within the company, some brilliant initiatives and um, clearly lots to come over the, the coming months and years. We'll look forward to seeing how those evolve. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's always a privilege to talk to you. That was Bricks and Mortar from EG with Sarah Jackman. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the archive of the Bricks and Mortar series at popbean.com and the EGI archive at egi.co.uk.